0: So Clyde's been going through Matthew, Uh, love Matthew, love all the Gospels. Well, I love Matthew uh, particularly because he brings into his Gospel so much Old Testament. There's almost a hundred quotes, almost a hundred quotes of Old Testament Scripture in his Gospel. His is a long Gospel, not the longest, Luke's is the longest, but... A hundred quotes dedicated to you and bringing out the truth that we find in the Old Testament. So, love Matthew. And we need to know the Old Testament because it points to who? Jesus. Yeah, it points to Jesus. It points to our Lord, our Savior. The New Testament writers didn't have the New Testament because they were writing it, right? They had the Old Testament. That's what they relied on. They saw Jesus performing the miracles. They saw the evidence in his healings and feeding 5,000 plus. The great acts that he did. But they relied and they quoted the Old Testament to know that he was the one fulfilling the prophecies. So you were asked, who's your favorite? I think that's what John asked, right? Who was you, who's your favorite? Who's greatest, who's favorite? All right. (laughs) John can't remember. Actually, I thought, I really thought, because there's so many great Johns, I thought John was going to say, well, it's John. But (laughs) he's only been married for a little while, but he's a wise young man. (laughs) Good job, John. (laughs) So the title of this is The Last great prophet. It is not Jeff Charlton. (laughs) I put my name up there, but it is not me by a long shot. The last great prophet. That's who we're going to look at today. The last great prophet. Now, I'm going to go through and just kind of run through a few points and then we're going to dive in deeper into those points. But we know about as much about this prophet as we do any of the prophets, especially on a personal standpoint, we have an angelic proclamation about this prophet's coming. And as I'm going through it, running through the names, who is it, who is it, is it Isaiah, is it Jeremiah? Is it it some of the minor prophets? Not minor, they just have shorter books. We have information about his conception Now this is a family program. We are not going to go into details about the conception. This is just some information that the Bible tells us about with this conception. This is a G-show only, okay? So relax. You got kids in here, you're safe. We know about his birth and immediately following his birth. We know about activities as an adult, the things that he did as a prophet. We know about his death. We know when he died, we know where he died, and we know how he died. Very specifically, a a lot of the great people in the Bible, we don't have that much information about. Now here we go. If you haven't gotten there, this one will probably give away for most people. We know his purpose as the heralding messenger. The voice of one calling out in the wilderness to prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. Now that was Isaiah, and he was 700 years speaking these words before the last great prophet. So if you have ears to hear, then let them listen to why John the Baptist was the last great prophet Anybody guess that? Anybody get there? All right! How far back? (laughs) You were good. Did did, did Clyde tell you? Did you give Clyde better snacks than I did? (laughs) Okay. Good job. Proud of you. Uh, I also uh, nicknamed this sermon, it's the last great prophet officially, but its nickname is, Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover. (laughs) And I did think about wearing camel hair today, instead of this blue suit. (laughs) I should have made Clyde do it. (laughs) That would have been good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know, if I actually ask him to do something like that, buddy, he's going to, like, step out of it and give it to you now. (laughs) So, let's dive in and look at those different things. I will say some things and I'll read some things. I have a lot of scripture. I don't expect you to try to keep up with all of this. Um, I read a lot of scripture because scripture says it best. I am feeble at best at proclaiming God's word unless I'm reading his word. So, uh, but you are welcome to my notes. Afterwards, I'll give them to Clyde and all the scripture references are there. Okay, diving right in. Uh, the angelic proclamation. So, Zechariah, Zechariah, um, uh, John the Baptist's dad, he was a priest, and it was about time for him to go up, and he had the honor to go into the Holy of Holies and do all the business that the priest did. Well, he's up there, and he's next to the table of incense, and BAM! An angel shows up. Now, when angels show up, people freak out. I mean, there's a reason. They're probably big. They're really white. That's not a racist comment. They're just bright. They're they're big, and they're bold, and they just show up out of nowhere. Zechariah is in there by himself, and all of a sudden, and no one's supposed to be in there, and all of a sudden, this angel is there. Shocking. Shocking to him. And they always say the same thing. Don't be afraid. Like you're not going to be afraid. Angel shows up today, I'll probably bolt out the door. I will be scared. It will be scary. But it's a great thing when an angel shows up. It's always exciting. There's something great going on, right? And they always have cool stuff to say. So, Zechariah is old. Older than me, even older than Clyde. He's really old. And his wife is old, and he shows up and he's like, "Hey, you and your wife are going to have a baby." He's like, "What? <laughs> what are you talking about?" And that's pretty much what he said, which really made Gabriel mad. <laughs> so Gabriel, Gabriel uh, not the female. Gabriel tells him what is going to happen. And because of the doubt, he s- seals up his mouth. Seals him up until the day that um, uh, John the Baptist is dedicated in the temple. So, angelic proclamation. Conception. God does something incredible, okay? He gives a very elderly couple a baby. doesn't just give it to them, gives it to them, right? And she has to carry it. And she's very excited. Now, Elizabeth is very excited about it. And Mary comes to see her, and they're just having the girl thing, and I don't know what girls do when they meet each other, and they're both pregnant. Uh, I'll let you all figure that out. But uh, very exciting, very exciting for both of them. There is a point that I'd like to make. Does the anointing of John the Baptist, while he is in Elizabeth's uh, belly, make her holy? There is a teaching in the Catholic Church that says that Mary is holy because Jesus, she carried Jesus. That's not accurate. Okay? Jesus is holy. John the Baptist is anointed. The Holy Spirit is involved with both of them. But Mary is not holy. Mary is not divine. If you have been taught that, then please think through the things that I'm saying. If you have family that's been taught that, think through what I'm saying. So the birth brought a fresh messianic proclamation. And I would like to read this because it's great This is the first time that Zechariah says something after his mouth's been sealed up months before. You, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God. He is faithful and merciful, is he not? Go, God. So, moving along from John's birth, um, we'll, uh, let's roll right into uh, the activities of his adulthood. Uh, now, Malachi wasn't just Isaiah uh, prophesying over uh, the coming uh, John the Baptist. Uh, Malachi does, 400 years before John the Baptist ever uh, is born. And his uh, Malachi 4.5 says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah key, to you before the great and dreadful day the Lord comes. Again, 400 years before. Now, Malachi is not just saying the messenger is coming. He is calling the messenger a name. He is naming him. And this is important. Uh, There are uh, several parallels between the prophet uh, Elijah and the last prophet, john the baptist okay um there's some physical there's some activities Uh, let's go through a few Uh, john the baptist was not the only one wearing a hairy vest okay elijah way back before him uh, about seven seven hundred years i think about 700 years before uh, was wearing the hairy garments Not clothing like this, not cloth, or I guess they wore robes a lot, uh, cloaks. wearing stinky, hairy garments. Not sure exactly why, but that was the clothing of choice for these prophets. I don't know of anybody else, it's called out in the Bible, who actually wears this stuff. Clyde, if you can think of someone, throw it out there anytime. I'm not aware of any. Uh, they also wear leather belts. I guess people didn't wear leather belts because this is a point that the Scripture makes in both cases. Um, maybe they wear leather shoes, a cloth belt. I'm not sure, no belt at all, but a uh, leather belt. They both lived in the wilderness, Not everybody lives in the wilderness. What this tells me is they were good country boys. They're living out in the sticks. And it was not even sticks where they lived. If you've seen any pictures of the Judean countryside, it was living in the rocks. They're living in caves. They're living where barely anything grows. It's like Marscape. Except for when John is down uh, baptizing. So, another, this is more of a behavioral uh, similarity. They were hated by husbands and wives of power. So, Elijah was a foe and hated by Ahab and Jezebel. And John the Baptist was a foe of Herod and Herodias. Now, with Elijah and you know, Ahab and Jezebel, um, Ahab was an Israelite, but Jezebel was a Phoenician, and they worshiped Baal. And so when those two got together, guess what they started building? They started building temples to Baal. Jezebel was a snake for Herod and Herodias, and, and, and not to go too far away from Elijah, Elijah called them out on it, okay? Do you guys remember Elijah facing down the, the prophets of Baal? I mean, it's one of the best stories in the Old Testament where he challenges the prophets of Baal. They all, okay, there's like 400 of them. Elijah's over here. He's like, okay, here we go. Let's put, a, let's put a cow up, put it up here, and you call down fire and see if it'll burn it up, and I'm going to call down fire and see if it'll burn up. And the bale lights... The Baal uh, prophets, they work all day, all night. They're dancing. They're screaming. They're doing everything they can to get their, their cow on fire. Nothing's happening. Elijah's like, okay, enough of this. So it's his turn. He gets over there. He's like, hey, put water on that. All right, now put some more water on that. Now put some more water on that. And all he says is, okay, God, do your thing. Boom, it's gone. Smoked the cattle. The cow is gone. Uh, Jezebel did not like that, and she hated him for it. John the Baptist, on the other hand, uh, Herod was a king. Herod is a, a dirty bird. He marries his brother's wife, and John the Baptist calls him out on it. Herod throws him in jail. <laughs> It was not good. Uh, their dietary habits were a little bit different. Okay? Uh, Elijah ate bread. A raven brought him bread. A widow fed him bread. John the Baptist ate bugs. <laughs> we don't know if uh, Elijah ate some bugs out there in the wilderness, but John the Baptist had an affinity for bugs. Hey, guys. Y'all want some bugs? No bug? Hey, I got one taker. <laughs> we'll bring chocolate truffles next time for Clyde and bugs for you. <laughs> Maybe chocolate-covered locust. Oh, Hey, we'll bump it up. All right. Uh, their depths were uh, different, but there are some similarities. Okay. Um, the death of Elijah... <laughs> was, uh, they were both dramatic, both of their deaths were dramatic. The death of Elijah was, um, it was a separation, it was a sudden and dramatic separation from his uh, mentee, the person that he was mentoring, which was Elisha, okay, Elijah, Elisha, and they're walking along, and Boom! A chariot of fire separates them. And then Elijah is taken up in a whirlwind. Okay, so, you know, people say Elijah's coming back, Elijah's coming back. It's like, well, okay, you know, he didn't actually die. He was taken up directly. Okay, so eh, maybe he's coming back. On the other hand, John the Baptist... Is beheaded very unceremonially because Herod was a bad dude. And his wife, through his daughter, asks for John's head on a platter. Who asks for a person's head on a platter? That is some serious wretchedness. But there's a separation. Um, it's abrupt, okay, and in a way, it's a separating of John's head and heart, and for Elijah and Elisha, there's a separation of a head and heart, the, the, you know, the young man, Elisha, when he's separating, he's asking, Elijah asked him, what is the thing that you want? What can I do for you before I go? And Elisha just said, I want a double portion Man, you gotta love a man who's just like I'm going for it. I want a double portion of everything that you can do. Uh, As a young man, a man of heart, and there's a separation there. Um, So, I want to read. Uh, So, John the Baptist. Before he, uh, before he's killed, Um, he does many things. Now there are all of the gospels cover John's activities uh, to varying degrees, but I really like the way John, John the gospel writer, the apostle John, uh, describes uh, what what's going on with John the Baptist. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They then asked him, Who are you? Are you Elijah? I am not. Keep a hold of that. Remember, Malachi said, Elijah's coming. Are you the prophet? No. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer. Take back those who sent us. What do you say for yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees, who had been sent, questioning him, said, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water. John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who's come, who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is the one I meant when I said... A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not recognize him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. And then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize the water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by. He said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and following them and said, what do you want? And they said, teacher, where are you staying? He said, come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. And it was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John said and had followed Jesus. So, I know that was a long passage. There's a lot going on there. Starting at the end and then moving back. Andrew. It was John the Baptist who trained him as a disciple and prepared him to be the first disciple of Jesus. Forerunning. Preparing. Not just saying, repent, the heaven, the, the, the kingdom of heaven is near. Preparing in very real ways. Uh, Andrew runs on to get his brother Peter, and off they're all going. He identifies him as the Lamb of God. He testifies that this is God's Holy One. His chosen one. I love this. A man who comes... This is this is true. John Gospel of John speak. A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. It's one of those you're like, say that again. <laughs> I got to hear that one more time. Let me read that one more time. Um, John said, "I baptize with water, <clears throat> differentiating himself with, from Jesus." I am the forerunner. I am baptizing for the repentance of sins. However, I don't baptize with the Holy Spirit. Only God does that. We baptize with water. Clyde baptizes with water. The Holy Spirit does his work. Jesus, in conjunction with the Holy Spirit, does the baptizing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I am the voice. <clears throat> now, getting back to the first thing that I said, reading in this passage. Are, who are you? Are you Elijah? What was his answer? Nope. How do we not say that the Bible contradicts itself here because the Bible never contradicts itself. We may not understand it, but the Bible does not contradict itself. The whole thing was written uh, by man through the Holy Spirit. It's God's word. God is orderly. He does not contradict himself. But sometimes when we read something and then we read something else, we're like, whoa, wait a minute. You do the double take. What's going on here? So let's dig around a little bit with this one. He says that he is not Elijah. Well, what? then what's going on? Uh, clarity can be found at Matthew Matthew 11:14. And this is Jesus actually. Jesus says, if you are willing to accept it, John is the Elijah who was to come. Well, how's that going to help us, Jeff? <laughs> now we're going back again. Wait a minute. We started off Malachi says he is. John says he isn't. Jesus says he is. Okay? They're both true. Okay? What we are really talking about here is spirit versus the flesh. Okay, spirit versus the flesh. He is a type. Um, We talk about different types in terms of, um, you know, in terms of Jesus. Uh, And what we're not talking about is some kind of weird reincarnation okay we don't do reincarnation we do not come back as earthworms or cows or monkeys or even other people okay Um, we have one shot at this life and then depending upon what we've done in this life we go on to be with God or separated from him it's simple there's no redos you don't get a redo you get one life so this is not some kind of weird reincarnation okay but it is a type. Um, <clears throat> Jesus was a type of Adam. He's a firstborn, okay? But he's the mega-Adam, might be a good way to put it. He's the Adam on super steroids. He's a different Adam. He's a type, but he is not Adam come back, Okay. Um, The same thing with Melchizedek. Um, Melchizedek is another uh, name that Jesus is associated with. It's an old king that Abraham respected so much that he gave a tenth of everything he had to. Okay? He was a great king. Uh, It's the same thing. It's a typing. And this is what Jesus is saying. He says he is the Elijah who who was to come. He's not not the reincarnation of Elijah. He's not Elijah come back. This is is an Elijah, a type of Elijah. Um, And actually, it's interesting, kind of bringing it all the way back around to where it began, uh, Gabriel's comments to uh, John Baptist's dad Uh, actually clarifies it. He says of John that he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. So he's a type and he goes on in just like Elijah had, uh, great power, anointed, did some incredible things for God God did incredible things through Elijah. God did incredible things through John the Baptist. So he's not reincarnated, nothing funky like that. Um, Kick that out. It's a spirit uh, versus the flesh thing. So the final passage that... This is one, if you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew 11.11. Because this is the one that I really would like for you to contemplate this week. To think about. Because it brings us to uh, what we can learn from all of this. This last great prophet. And I believe it's summed up, interestingly summed up in this passage. And once I read it, you may be like, what? But that's what the Bible does. C.S. Lewis said that Christianity is... um, Is so believable because it's so weird. He actually used the word queer. Queer today is used in a much different context, but for him in his day, you know, 50, 60 years ago, it would just kind of mean weird. Christianity is just, it's just weird. It's like, you know, what do you, unbelievers, they try to read the Bible and it makes no sense to them. Well, of course, it doesn't make sense to them. It's not a normal book. It's not. It can't be interpreted by just the average human mind. It has the mind has to be sanctified for it to make sense. So, if you read some stuff, and even even if you are saved and you read some stuff, and it's kind of weird, it's okay. It's all right. Uh, uh, the People in this room who've been uh, saved for a long time and they're you know dedicated Bible readers—they probably read, probably had this experience. You read a you read a verse, and you're like, eh, okay, I kind of get it. And you read the verse again, maybe a year ago, huh? Okay. And then ten years later, you read the verse and you're like, what? I never saw that in there. What in the world? That's the Holy Spirit giving you information that He knows you need at that time. So even if it seems a little strange, uh, it, you don't get it. Dig. Dig deep. Ask someone who is a Bible teacher. Who knows? Ask the Holy Spirit. Illuminate it. God, I don't want to wait 10 years to understand this. Please help me understand it. He will give you don't be double-minded. James said, you know, don't be double-minded. Ask with confidence. Ask with belief. God will help you. So, 1111. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Huh, the last great prophet. Yet. Here's the weird part. Yet. Whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What is Jesus saying to us? I am confused. Among those, born, among, among those born of women, there is not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. It's a flesh and a spirit contrast. Okay? Who believes, who in this room believes that, that, who is saved when they go to heaven, that they're going to be, and they are in the kingdom of heaven with God, with Jesus? Who believes they're going to be greater than John the Baptist? Not me. What? Ah, in the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven. Are we? Do you think we will? Greater than his flesh. Yes. Go back to the first part of the verse. He is the greatest in the flesh. But now we're talking about the Spirit. And there is the weird juxtaposition. The Spirit is what God cares about. He does care about you here on earth. He does care what happens. His scripture says, I I count the number of hairs on your head. A bird doesn't fall and I don't know about it. He cares about what happens in this life. But the most important part that he cares about is your spiritual health. Your spiritual health. The least in the kingdom of heaven will be greater than John the Baptist, and I dare say anybody who ever walks the earth, other than Jesus, of course, in their flesh. In their body, whatever—in other words, whatever they do here on earth—it doesn't matter. Presidency, kings, uh, wretchedness—it doesn't—it it doesn't matter. The lowliest person in the kingdom of heaven will exceed anyone who's walking the earth in their flesh. What matters is the spiritual part. That's what God cares about the most. And so, what does John, to kind of wrap up, uh, Larry, I bet you have a last song. Do you guys have a final Okay. Um, so, to really wrap up and to take this home, that's your verse that I want you to think about, okay, this week. There are three things that John the Baptist teaches us through all of his preaching, teaching his life, uh, repent, believe, and obey. Repent. I actually heard Charles Stanley, who I respect, uh, and and I've learned a lot from his preaching, even somebody like Charles Stanley, I believe, makes mistakes. One day, I actually heard him in a sermon say that repentance didn't have, uh, was not... Um, a necessary part of salvation. And that is not what the Bible says. John the Baptist preached it. Jesus preached it. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. And when Jesus said it, he was saying the kingdom of heaven is here. Repentance. Repentance is not an easy thing especially if you're an adult. For kids, it's a little bit easier. Say you're sorry. Sorry. No. Say you're sorry and mean it. (laughs) Thank you. Kids have a little bit easier time doing that than uh, adults do. Believe. Sometimes believing is not the easiest thing to do. John the Baptist had, had, had been prophesied over. He had fulfilled the prophecies. He had, um, he had verification. He, saw, he grew up with Jesus. They were cousins. And yet, when he was in jail, he sent his disciples to go ask Jesus, are you the real deal? He needed to know. It's okay. This fleshly life will make you doubt sometimes. It is a not just the day-to-day struggle. It's a minute-to-minute struggle. Okay? We can take solace in that John the Baptist, the last great prophet, needed confirmation. It's okay if sometimes you're like, man, I am going through it here. This is tough. This is hard. It's okay. Ask the question. God's big. He can ask. Ask Clyde. Ask a deacon. Talk to somebody you trust that knows God, knows the Bible. Uh, The last is obey. Um, And it was interesting. John uh, says to (laughs) the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, uh, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. If you are truly sorry, then it shows. If you're sorry, and then as soon as your mama turns around and you punch your brother in the back, you're not sorry. The religious leaders of the time, he's calling them out. Produce fruit in keeping with Repentance. Don't put your brother in the back. Say so you're sorry. Mean it. Uh, God wants us to finally build his kingdom. Sometimes obedience is painful, it is not easy. God put me into the chaplaincy. It was a great ministry. Loved hanging out with soldiers, loved being a chaplain. One day, I'm preparing a sermon that I had no idea until I was done and ready to go back and uh, do some other things that he had prepared me for that sermon. Because he said, the sermon was on Abraham and God's direction to Abraham to go kill his son. I was like, what? Now God did not tell me to kill kill my son. Uh, God did tell me to leave the ministry. That particular ministry. There was no uh, transgression on my part. Um, I hadn't done anything wrong. There were people coming to know the Lord. Um, it, was a, it was a very difficult departure for me. Um, but God never told me anything else to do except leave the chaplain ministry, military ministry. I actually called Clyde, first person I called. I called him before I called my wife. I called Clyde, I was like, man, I can't believe this. I cannot believe this. And uh, it was difficult. But what's worse would be to preach obedience and not be obedient. As difficult as that was to leave that ministry, I did. Obedience is not always easy. However, God says that he is with you. And he loves you. When he says his burden is light, his yoke is easy, he's saying spiritually. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy here in this life. He's talking spiritually, not the flesh. Spiritually, not the flesh, because the flesh is difficult to deal with. So Larry is going to come if, um, you know, there will be some uh, leaders down here. If you need to come and work something out with God, please come down. Talk to someone. Get some help. You're not alone. You are not doing this thing by yourself. Unless you choose to do this thing by yourself. You might need some help with repentance. What does that exactly mean? That's a big fancy word. What does that mean? Might need some help with belief or obedience or something entirely unrelated to those three. Now let me close this in prayer and uh, let's see where God takes us next. Heavenly Father, we are so glad that you are God and we are not God, we cannot be God. We cannot be you. Only you can prove uh, how incredible you are. And you choose to do it through people, which is just a great mystery, God. But we thank you that we get to be part of your big picture. The things that you want to do in this world but always with the ultimate idea and thought and mind that you are after our spirits, our souls. You are after the eternal, not the temporary. So God, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to be moving in the room, help people deal with the things that they're struggling with, and be open with you and open with brothers and sisters. And we know that you will be glorified through that transparency and that you can help. We love you. We thank you for John the Baptist and his life and dedication. And we love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.